Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Don't change a thing for me. Yeah, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Sports Day WA. You're with Peter Vlahos on this Thursday. Great to have your company, and I welcome you to get involved with the program at any time on the Temper of Bedshed text machine. 0487-736-736. Cause bedshed. There are the experts in temper mattresses, pillows, and adjustable bases. Check the range of temper products in store or visit bedshed.com.au. There's a couple of professional sporting coaches in the news as we go to air tonight. One, of course, is the North Melbourne coach Alistair Clarkson, who has issued an apology to a TV reporter after making a threatening comment during an altercation earlier this month. It appears that Melbourne's Nine News journalist, Elizabeth Moss, was at the Kangaroos headquarters on February the 1st and uh, published a story that indicated disturbing allegations from multiple women against North player Taryn Thomas of harassment and intimidating behaviour and had been provided to the AFL. And Moss went to a press conference and asked for a comment from Clarkson and it, it's and Clarkson simply came out and said, your time will come. Moss then informed the Channel 9 superiors of the incident, and Clarkson today issued an apology saying, I was involved in an incident with a Channel 9 news report on the day the news broke about the allegations against Taryn Thomas. To my great regret, I overreacted to the 9 news reporter and made one comment to her along the lines of, your time will come. That comment was in reference to facing intense scrutiny when you're in the public eye and how challenging that can be. When I was made aware of the impact of my comment, I sought to apologise immediately to the reporter, not realising how many words could have been perceived or how my words could have been perceived. I also opted to make that apology in person rather than by phone in the presence of the reporter and two of her senior colleagues at Channel 9 headquarters later that day. Uh, the journalist accepted my apology, and we agreed to move forward. So that's the Alistair Clarkson scenario. And, of course, late this afternoon, there was a club statement released by the Perth Glory regarding their coach, Ruben Zatkovich, who, by the way, I spoke to, and you'll hear the interview, earlier this afternoon. Ruben had commitments. I recorded an interview with him ahead of their game against the Brisbane Roar on Sunday. We spoke off the record that we felt that something was going to drop. I thought because we didn't have all the facts that were going to come out. Both he didn't know what was going to be reported and I didn't have all my facts together. That we decided for the sake of the interview that we conducted about what was happening with the players on the pitch. So that was the interview, and that's what you'll hear a bit later on. But I will shed also more light now on what transpired. Now, there has been a media conference called after training tomorrow of where Ruben Zatkovich will state his case. 
But the Glory said in a statement just released literally about a quarter of an hour ago that the club has been made aware of reports regarding an alleged altercation between a member of its coaching staff, that is the coach, Ruben Zatkovich, and a player at an A-League men's training session earlier this week. Perth Glory can confirm that no complaint was made internally, that neither the Australian Professional Leagues, the APL, the Professional Footballers Australia, PFA, or the club will be taking the matter any further. The club regards the safety and well-being of its players and staff as its highest priority, according to Glory CEO Anthony Radich. Radich went on to say, Accordingly, I've spoken to the coach and the player allegedly involved and has also consulted with both the APL and the PFA. And based on these discussions, I have concluded that the alleged incident has been exaggerated and am satisfied that no further action is required. I can let you know that a leading football writer, journalist, was at the training session on Tuesday where supposedly the incident occurred. He didn't report it. He didn't think it was significant enough. The player that is in question is Giordano Colley, who has been struggling to get a place in the Perth Glory lineup. Ruben Zadkovich reportedly and allegedly in that five-a-side match was taking part and went on to sort of display, this is how you need to be playing a bit harder, young fella, a bit harder. And he put a hard challenge in from all reports. A hard challenge in, the player took a bit of exception and there was a bit of a more verbal altercation between the player and the coach. The other thing that's interesting is that the report didn't come from a journalist that was at training, didn't come from anybody that was present at training. It came from a player. A player at the Perth Glory, who again is not getting a regular game and hasn't been playing for a number of weeks, reportedly brought this attention to the authorities. Those being, as I mentioned earlier, the APL and the PFA. So Ruben Zadkovich is going to front the media tomorrow and tell his side of the story. As you can see from the club statement, no further action will be play, uh, taken. You know, there's been situations, we've seen it in a number of sports and training sessions. We saw one at Essendon recently where there was a couple of players that came to blows. So sometimes it gets out of hand. And maybe this young fella, Giordano Colley, from all reports, together with the coach, may have took exception to a challenge and that uh, there may have been a bit of an altercation. I wasn't there. I can't say how much of an altercation it was, but there's been a thorough investigation into it. And for more reports, as was stated in the media statement from the Perth Glory, it has been exaggerated. So we'll see what the coach has to say tomorrow. But as I mentioned, I've got Ruben Zadkovich on the program a bit later on, but we'll be focusing because the interview is done a few hours ago on the game coming up on Sunday. All right, let's have a look at a couple of other things that are happening. Of course, uh, Junior Rioli conducted a press conference today ahead of their uh, match simulation match that's coming up. Of course, Port Adelaide and Adelaide are both in town. And this is what uh, Junior Rioli had to say, just in part, 
uh, looking forward to playing against his former club. No doubt you're excited, but is it a bit of a, I guess, a weird feeling getting back home and, and obviously playing against uh, your former teammates? Yeah, it's a bit different, but um, like I said, I'm just um, excited to get back over there, um, you know, see some familiar faces and you know, hopefully catch up with you know, people I had a, had a lot to do with my footy career over there. So, um, yeah, just looking forward to it. Been any bands back and forth between yourself and your old teammates? Nah, not so much. I'm lucky. Uh, my phone fell in the water kayaking a few weeks ago, so I only just kind of got it back. So I've been on a been on the iPad for a couple of weeks, and um, nah, but yeah, grateful. Um, you know, I still got a good connection over there, and I'm um, just look forward to um, catching up with them, and um, yeah, just seeing them again. So. What sort of so there you go. There's a couple of the comments made by Junior Rioli ahead of uh, the match simulation match against the West Coast Eagles. The other big story in football today is congratulations to Alex Pierce. No surprise to many where he was given the honour of being the 10th Fremantle Dockers skipper. And this is how it was announced in the inner sanctum of the Fremantle Football Club earlier today by coach Justin Longmuir. Should we've gone with is a structure of um, a captain and two vice captains and then there will be three other people um, supporting those guys in the leadership group. We think it's a leadership group that has got great diversity uh, of age, of role, of character, of thought. Uh, we think it will work really well together. So without further ado, I'd like to announce our new captain, our 10th captain, is Alex Pearce. Supporting um, Moose's vice captains is going to be Andy Brayshaw and Caleb Strong. Right, and it's um, great to announce that three new members to the leadership group. All right, and they are Jago Mira, Switter, and Youngie. Yeah, there you go. Sam Switkowski is Switter and Young is Hayden Young for those people that weren't sure of uh, the nickname. So that's how it was announced at the Fremantle Football Club and released to all in sundry uh, later today. So congratulations, Alex Pierce. Uh, a tremendous honour. I think he'll do an outstanding job. He just got to make sure he stays on the park. After the break, we're going to talk to Peter Capes. He's the president of the Subiaco Footy Club. Uh, last financial year... They made a loss of $340,000. And there's a few waffle clubs that are, were in deficit. Comes on the back end of the West Australian Footy Commission, suggesting that, uh, you know, they're not travelling that well, uh, losing $10.2 million last year after they asked the state government to delay their funding until after their financial year. So the commission, which funds football from the grassroots to the professional level in WA, would have recorded maybe a surplus of 1.5 for 2022 if they had received their 11.5 million in funding from the state government. So it's interesting, even though they've made a, a so-called surplus, uh, they're not huge figures, aren't they? So I'm just wondering where the state of affairs are when it comes to football. At the elite with the Fremantle Dockers and the West Coast Eagles, they're making handy profits, but below them, it appears that uh, certainly 
clubs are struggling somewhat. And at one stage, they were the powerhouse. When games were being played at Subiaco Oval, Subiaco were reaping the benefits of all AFL games with, of course, hospitality and seats that they could sell at the venue, which was direct uh, money back into their coffers. That doesn't exist anymore. They're now at Leaderville Oval. And as we know, Subiaco haven't got a huge membership base compared to some of the other waffle clubs. We'll find out where they are at with Peter Capes, the CEO of the Subiaco Football Club, after the break here on Sports Day WA. For Kia, the award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento, Kia's large SUV, available now at your nearest Kia dealer. Surely Peter Capes, the CEO of the Subiaco Football Club. Let's just first update a bit of cricket for Tyre Power. Buy three, get one free on selected Falcon tyres during Tyre Power's best buys on big brands sale. The selectors have announced a pretty strong 16-player squad for the series uh, against India. Uh, All-rounders Glenn Maxwell, Mitch Marsh uh, are being joined by pacer Jai Richardson. They're all coming back from injury. Uh, the first ODI between Australia and India is in Mumbai on March the 17th and there's two other games on the 19th and the 22nd. The West Australians in the squad of 16, Ashton Agar, Cameron Green, Josh Inglis, Mitchell Marsh, Jai Richardson and Marcus Stoinis. So congratulations to them. A nice WA flavour in that 16-man squad. That's how they play them. And don't take him over there and do what they did to Ashton Agar. And congratulations to Cam Bancroft. And he's continued to make a case for a return to Test cricket for the first time since the 2019 Ashes, turning um, his fourth Sheffield Shield century for the season into 176 crucial runs in Tasmania. By the way, WA are in total control. They made 300 in the first innings. They dismissed Tasmania for 169 and then declared it three for 372, of which Bancroft, 176 not out. Whiteman made 30, Teague Wiley, 80, and Hilton Cartwright, 16. Aaron Hardy, together with Bancroft, was not eight, not out 58 at the end. And Tasmania, needing something like oh, nearly 500 to win, they still need another 403, uh, eight for 101, eight for 101. And the uh, chief destroyers have been Matthew Kelly, four for 41, and Joel Paris, three for 34. So WA are going to have a big win down there in Hobart against the Tasmanians. Let's go to Peter Capes now. He's the president, well, in fact, not the president, but the CEO, more important he is, uh, at the Subiaco Footy Clubs, uh, and he joins us on the program. Hello, Capesy, how are you? Hello, Pete. How are you, mate? Nice to be on your show. I'll be president CEO, whatever you want me to be, Pete. Yeah. How no long? Problem. How long have you been CEO at Subi now? Uh, ten years, Pete. Congratulations! So, uh, that deserves uh, a round of applause. Yeah. A ten-year anniversary for Peter <laughs> Capes. Well done, mate. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> mate, that's a that's a, a fair innings, and you've seen a lot happen in that time, haven't you? Subiaco have been a successful club. Okay, you've missed out on finals uh, a couple of years during that decade, but predominantly it's been a, a pretty good ride for you. Yeah, well, look, it hasn't always been easy. I think we finished eighth, uh, sixth and eighth and, and uh, we're going nowhere um, a couple of years after I started, mate. So, 
Uh, turn it around really quickly under SCOE. Uh, Jared Scofield was the coach at the time after Chris Waterman, and uh, we turned that around, and, and we've had uh, a really good period of time since then. So really good, a lot of people working hard, doing the right things, Pete. Yep. The reason I invited you to join us, and I thank you very much for accepting the invitation, is looking at some of the financials in the WAFL. And there was a story in the West this morning about the financials of the West Australian Footy Commission. They're not making big money anymore, but saying that when you look at uh, the WAFL clubs, there was four that was listed that maybe uh, couldn't get in the black in the last financial year, particularly led by Subiaco, your club, with a deficit of 343,380. We can only go back to all those years when, of course, the AFL games were played at Subiaco Oval and Subiaco used to conduct a corporate function. I remember hosting that a few times. And, of course, you got revenue from seats that you had, a block there at uh, Subiaco Oval. So Subi were certainly one of the real strong financial clubs in the waffle for that reason. Now you've, of course, repositioned yourself in the last few years since Optus Stadium took over from Subi at Leederville Oval. It's a bit more of a harder grind now. Well, those figures suggest that maybe it is. Well, I think, think a couple of things is that when we finished at Subia Aval and, and footy went to Optus Stadium, we had to transition and, and fill a, a fairly sizable hole in our budget. And I think we've done a really good job. I mean, that was five or $600,000 was, was, was the expectation, considering that we were investing in the facilities here at Leaderville and, and our footy program at the time. So... Um, to, to even to be pleasing to, to have below well, 300,000 or thereabouts, we, we would have taken um, in 2016-17. Anyway, so so, but we're not happy with. So having said that, Pete, we we, uh, we would have taken it then, but now we're not. We were really disappointed with that outcome last year. Um, We've still got um, a reasonably strong balance sheet. Um, we've got some investments in uh, that are run by uh, a committee of uh, brokers and all that, and we've been doing that for quite some time. At, at the time of our annual our end of financial year, auditors expect us to, to put a valuation at that time. So at that time, our investment fund was valued at $100,000 less than the same time a year before. As of today, if we're doing it as of the 20, whatever it is, 4th of February, we'd be $150,000 in front of that number. So it just depends on when, when that time of year is. So that 343 includes $120,000 um, from our investment fund. So it's not really a loss. It's a paper loss at the time, Pete. Okay. Uh, East Romano was listed as a loss. Uh, they were the big losers, 322, Peel Thunder, 145, East Perth, 60. Saying that... Yep. Uh, what about the general yep. overall state of play when it comes to the financials regarding the Waffle Clubs? We knew West Perth were on their knees a few years ago. Uh, Neil Fong was brought in as the president, and they've turned things around, supposedly. Uh, is it a tough grind because there isn't the money in football anymore, or are some clubs maybe living beyond their means? Well, I think everyone needs to look at that. We've looked at our expense side of things really, really heavily um, and tried to reduce that down as much as we can. So I don't see evidence in the waffle where people are spending money when they probably haven't got it. If you're talking about, say, West Perth, who make a $24,000 profit on a $2 million budget, um, it's pretty fine margins, mate, isn't it, really? Let's be honest. Mm. So um, uh, not much has to go wrong either way of that is... Um, 
uh, a major sponsor pulls out, and you made a fifty thousand dollar loss in that in that case. So um, there's not much. Uh, room for manoeuvring around so so the margins are really tight in waffle and um, so you're trying to do everyone's trying to raise revenue and reduce expenses and uh, and that's the waffle competition no one's saying there's there's a whole bunch of uh, excess funding around it's uh, everyone works really hard to try to get to a break-even position so where is the main revenue stream you mentioned sponsorship and what is the major expenditure I gather its payment on players so is there enough? Yeah. Yeah, go on, mate. Sorry, I didn't need to butt in. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, is it a case of you need to make sure you, you grab sponsorship? Is membership also important? They're the two revenue drivers. And then you've got, on the other hand, the amount of money. I know there's a salary cap that can be paid to players. Uh, is that the, the equation? You just need to be more in market and try and attract as much uh, revenue into the football club as possible. And then, of course, you're competing with the likes of the West Coast Eagles and also the Fremantle Dockets for that sponsorship dollar. Yeah, mate. You look, it's... Um, uh, Waffle clubs, I mean, uh, have, have bar and catering things, so you're having events and functions and all those sorts of things. And, and bar sort of like turnover is, is somewhere between three hundred and $500,000 ballpark, and you're making about a third of that as your net. Most clubs' membership is about a hundred grand a year. Ballpark is, is what most clubs work on, so you're trying to increase that as high as you possibly can. But that's where your membership stuff, sponsorship. I mean, is about half a million dollars a year. Um, every club gets around about those sort of numbers. So, um, so you add add sort of those up, and you're going, oh well, it's, there's um, they're, your, they're your three main sources of income. Um, then you got look gate. People coming to the games in membership is probably about one hundred and fifty, one hundred eighty thousand dollars ballpark. But um, so a footy program costs most clubs about eight hundred thousand dollars a year. Um, is your main source of your senior senior football. So uh, I think in, until we look at is all that being spent on the right things in a, in a senior footy program. Unless you're not going to be playing paying coaches and players going forward, there's not too much room to reduce that down too much. You got a um, your salary cap's about two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year, um, and honorariums, physios, doctors, coaches, um, um, all those sorts of people. I mean, they cost clubs about a couple of hundred grand as well. Mm. So you're talking, I don't know, five, six hundred thousand dollars uh, to put footy on as a, at a minimum. Yeah. Is Subiaco's... But, but, but again, it's, it's really worthwhile, Pete. I think the the the, the environments that Waffle clubs ha- have, the, uh, the 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 trying to get the best out of young men and, and develop coaches and, and the pathway, um, you'd argue it's not a significant amount of money to be spending when uh, an AFL club spending seventy or eighty million dollars. Um, I know. Look, I know they get. 50,000 people are going to watch the games and all those sorts of things. So you, we, Waffle Clubs are doing it on a shoestring budget and still still doing a pretty good job. And uh, a lot of people follow it and watch it. Oh, yeah. It's a great competition. Don't get me wrong. And that's a terrific competition. So is Subiaco's future at Leaderville Oval, do you think? Or is it maybe an opportunity to maybe look at another part of the community that could be well served by the Lions? I know we've seen what's happened with West Perth. I know that East Perth at one stage were in discussions with possibly the city of Swan to head out towards the Whiteman Park, Ellenbrook area, which is there in their zone to see if they can capture that market out there. Uh, is And the fact that you're now joint tenants with East Perth at Leaderville Oval, does it work? Oh, we've been joint tenants with East Perth since 2004. 
Um, and uh, we've put a lot of time and effort into making sure that uh, we're happy with the sharing arrangements. We respect each other, um, and 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 don't and there's no conflict in that in that space. So um, the purpose of it was: do we do we save money by sharing ground costs and and uh, all those sorts of things? And I think we, we probably do in that respect. I think we definitely do. Um, it's about the the quality of the venues we've both got and the ground now. We're forever looking at with well trying to work with the city of Vincent to to improve facilities, to improve lighting. Currently, we're trying to get that done, and we're trying to put on a really good match day environment, which encourages people to to come to the ground. So, uh, we also need Perth work pretty closely together to try to continue to improve here. And there's a bit of frustrations in that space at the moment, but we're working pretty hard to try to make sure that that works for us. Good on you, Capesy. Thanks for joining us. Uh, looking forward to the new season. And, of course, it gets underway on the Easter long weekend. Oh, we absolutely are. Absolutely are. I, I think the only other one that's probably um, challenged clubs in the last little while is is the, the women's competition mm-hmm. coming under the Waffle Club banners now. So um, I think everyone's trying to improve the standard of that as quickly as we possibly can. And there's probably been some additional costs in that space that, clubs probably weren't getting funded to, to take uh, responsibility for, Pete. So uh, we're working with the Footy Commission to get that, but we're all really happy. We're excited about the women's competition starting in a few couple of weeks and, and the men's competition in, in, uh, April, in uh, sorry, uh, Easter. Can't wait. Can't wait, mate. We, yeah. we think we're a good chance of playing finals and we'll, we'll see very soon, won't we? Uh, lovely to chat to you, Capes. You're always good fun and uh, you always uh, speak well here on radio and uh, we'll keep engaging with you during the course of 2023. Thanks for your time. Anytime, Pete. Good on you, mate. Good on you. There you go. Uh, That's uh, Peter Capes, the CEO of the Subiaco Footy Club. Subiaco, $343,000 loss. East Fremantle, $322,000 loss. Peel Thunder, $145,000. East Perth, $60,000. And uh, they've all got certainly a case to say that uh, it's not a true reflection of their financial status, as Peter just mentioned there. 29 past five. Uh, we're going to take a break in a couple of moments and then we're going to come back with Ruben Zadkovich. Just repeating that I did speak to Ruben, the coach of the Perth Glory, uh, earlier this afternoon when things were starting to bubble under the surface regarding a so-called uh, allegedly a heated physical altercation with one of his players. The player was Giordano Colley. During a training session, it was on Tuesday, which sparked an investigation by the A-League Chiefs and the Players' Union. And according to a number of sources familiar with the incident, Zakovich was um, a filling for a game of five-a-side with the players, which became heated. Both players went for a... Well, that is, Zadkovic and Collie went for a challenge. They both fell to the ground, and reportedly there may have been a bit of wrestling between the player and Zadkovic. And in the end, that that was it. But the report, and there was a a leading football journalist at training on Tuesday who was working for Paramount, who decided uh, it wasn't worthy of reporting. There was nothing in it. But there was a player in the squad at the glory that my informants tell me actually alerted, actually alerted the governing bodies to look at the investigation. And that... uh, those uh, bodies being, of course, the Professional Footballers Australia, PFA, and the Australian Professional League, the APL that run the competition. So we'll see what happens. Ruben Zadkovic, to be fair, not backward in coming forward, says, put me up. And he will be put up. 
after the training session tomorrow. The players leave on Saturday for Brisbane. They take on the Brisbane Raw. But just going back to the conversation I had with him earlier today, we decided to focus, because this was going to come out later in the day, on the match and where the team is at and who's available to play this weekend as the Glory play two away games in a row. They play the Brisbane Raw and then Western United. Both sides are sitting second last and last. And it's a very, very important next couple of games for the Glory if they're going to make a serious assault possibly on the finals this season when many thought they didn't have a chance. So that's coming up in just a moment. Uh, People have asked me to just go through the Australian ODI squad. This is it. Pat Cummings is captain. Then there's Sean Abbott, Ashton Agar, Alex Carey, Cameron Green, Travis Head, Josh Inglis, Manus Labashane, Mitchell uh, Marsh, Glenn Maxwell, Jai Richardson, Steve Smith, Mitchell Stark, Marcus Stoinis, David Warner, and Adam Zampa. So that's a 16-man squad that'll play an ODI series, three ODIs. In India, the first one in Mumbai on March the 17th and the other two matches have been played in Visag on March 19 and Chennai on March the 22nd. And quite a good West Australian contingent, as you can see. Agar, Green, Josh Inglis, Mitchell Marsh, Jai Richardson, Marcus Stoinis and Glenn Maxwell recovering from a broken leg. Of course, Mitch Marsh from that ankle and Jai Richardson with the hammy. So some... uh, it's a pretty good-looking squad. Let's hope they all stay fit and they stay on the park. This is Sports Day with uh, Peter Vlahos. We'll take a short break. It's all thanks to Kia. And uh, you can join us anytime on the Temperate Bedshed text machine, 0487 736 736. Welcome back to Sports Day WA on this Thursday. You're with Peter Vlahos. All thanks to Kia. Progressive technology, blistering performance and quality design. You can join us anytime on the Temper of Bedshed text machine, 0487 736 736. And, of course, football is here. Here is the Isuzu Ute A-League experience. It's live. Search A-League tickets. And, of course, we look forward to the Perth Glory coming back. We can purchase those A-League tickets and see the Glory back at HBF Park. But you'll have to wait a couple of weeks because they've got a couple of away games to administer first. And the first one of those is on Sunday. Two o'clock kickoff our time against the Brisbane Roar before they travel south the following week to take on Western United. Joining us is their coach, who is doing some great things at the Perth Glory as they try and chase a final spot. Ruben Zatkovich, thanks for your time. G'day, mate. How are you? Good. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? The last four games, the Perth Glory have scored two goals in every game in the last four. Yeah, we've, uh, we've you know, probably scored enough there to, to, to win more games than we have in that time, that's for sure. So it look a little bit frustrating, um, some of the results at the moment and some really good performances that didn't get rewarded but we've just found a way to concede it at the wrong time and uh, it's definitely hurting us a little bit. You would be frustrated as a coach here on the sideline because I know the way you played the game against the Wellington Phoenix away from home two all uh, it was a two-all draw with the Newcastle Jets, a game that you thought you should have won against the Central Coast Mariners last weekend. It was a two-all draw after being 2-0 up and conceding, as we know, a couple of penalties. You know, as a coach, when you are a coach, how much is still have you got in you as being a player and the frustrations that, that comes with being a player? Oh, look, it's, you know, I've been a, 
a coach now for you know six seven years and um you know my plan days are well and truly behind me i retired at 28 so look the transition you have to get out of that mindset pretty quickly and you're, you're constantly looking at you know the overall uh, the overall arch of how the team is and how the moment is and um you know i think uh i just yeah i, I definitely have some frustration my frustration is for the players a little bit because you know, in some of those games, especially the Wellington away game, you know, we come back from 2-0 down and we get to 2-2. We've hit the crossbar twice in the last five minutes. Missed a golden opportunity to go and win that game. So it felt like two points, you know, dropped in the end. And then we come home, we're up, you know, against Newcastle Jets. You know, they scored a worldie of a goal. We got goal of the week from Piscopo. And um, and then we're, we're still up 2-1. But then we had a defensive error right, on, right at the end of the game to go 2-2. Um, so then, you know, two points dropped again. Um, and then we played City. And in the City game, they're the top team. They're the benchmark of the competition. And I thought we did extremely well. And, uh, you know, at 1-1, we were looking every bit like we were going to win the game at 60-minute mark. And then we lost a man. And then, obviously, we ended up losing the game 4-2. But even that scoreline, it, it kind of masked a really good performance for us. And um, and that was frustrating to lose. But, you know, they are the best team in the comp. So not the worst uh, result in the end. And then... The following week, yeah, look, up 2-0 against Central Coast. I actually don't think we played great in that game. Uh, mm-hmm. That was one of the games where we, we just didn't play, you know, as well as we'd like to for for long enough. But even still, being 2-0 up, we've looked at the replay and, and done our analysis and we've had a couple of really good chances at 2-0 to go 3-0 as well. So, um, you know, those moments can change games. To go 3-0 up is probably the game done and dusted. But at 2-0, like we know, it's a dangerous scoreline. And... Then we have a penalty, which was very innocuous, um, a ball into a hand. The player's not even looking at the play. He's turned his back and hit his hand by his side. It seems to us like a pretty harsh call. But again, then it's 2-1. And then, you know, to be fair to Central Coast, they're a good team as well. They're sitting second on the ladder and they ask a lot of questions. And then, you know, we gave away again another soft penalty. So, look, we've dropped points in games that we've played well. And on the weekend, we dropped points in a game that we didn't play so well. But either way, we found a way to, to give those points away. And that's definitely hurting us on the ladder. However, the positives are in the performances um, as a whole, and there are a lot of lot of things to to be to be happy about, and um, you know there are a lot of things to improve. So we just keep staying in that improvement mindset, and you know we take the positives as we can, and we keep focusing on the areas to improve. And uh, hopefully this weekend we can put it into practice and get a win away from home. Yeah, no, it certainly has been impressive, and I think uh, the players are certainly uh, buying in to Ruben Zatkovic and Chris Coyne's philosophies on how to play the game. Saying that. Two very important away games coming up. The Brisbane Roar and Western United are both below you on the A-League ladder. Is this the most important fortnight or certainly week, 10 days for the Perth Glory that will determine possibly the season and if there's a chance to maybe play a bit of finals football? Uh, look, I think mathematically there's still you know a lot of opportunity left in the season for, for a lot of teams. But obviously the ones like us down the bottom and... Uh, you know, towards the the bottom end of the table, Brisbane just below us, and then Western United just below us. Look, you need to try and win these games, and um, you know we'll we'll go about our processes, and and, and uh, certainly our mentality will be to win both. And um, but we have to respect the opposition as well. They're not always easy teams to play, especially away from home. So, look, we're going to have to be at our best. It's really going to test um, the medal of where we're at. Um, but like I've I've been saying for a while now, look, we've. We're a, a whole new team that's come together after a very torrid time for for, for our club. and um, There have been a lot of factors that have gone against us and the start of the season was certainly um, unforgiving for us as a new team. So, 
look, we've been better since the World Cup break. Um, you know, I think we've had four draws, uh, sorry, five draws, four wins and, and only three losses. So we've been very hard to beat and, and very resilient in that time. But we need to turn some of them draws into wins and we'll be looking to try and do that against Brisbane. What about the travelling group that leaves on Saturday for Brisbane? I gather you've still got a couple of days up your sleeve. Uh, do you forecast any players being left behind because of injury concerns? Look, there's a couple that um, have had, you know, some injuries and some niggles that are back on the training pitch and are looking for looking for fitness. So it's just a matter of whether or not they're they're available and, and make that top 18 that travel away. So um, there may be a few that stay behind, and then I guess the key for them is to is to work really hard here in Perth. So when we get back, that they're they've progressed and they're back in contention. But it has been a positive week in terms of bodies on the pitch. We've got Mustafa Amini back, which was a huge loss last week. Our captain. Um, and just a real leader and a real quality ball player. And I think that showed that he was missing. Um, and then also Daryl Lackman, who was suspended from that red card in the City game, to have him back this week, uh, along with Musti at the same time. Uh, you know, they're both ball-playing, you know, dominant figures in possession. So I think that will definitely help. And to have them back on the training pitch, along with, um, you know, Taggart, you know, getting a bit more as his, his first start and got a little bit more fitness. Um, and then you've got Aaron McInerney, who had a cup, you know, half an hour off the off the bench. So... There's, there's some players building there. Um, Berkey's still, you know, training well and, and getting back to fitness after a really serious hamstring injury. So, yeah, it's it's a good time of year for us. There's a lot of bodies on the training pitch, and now we just have to take the best 18 away from home and get the job done. I spoke to Mustafa Amini last week. Of course, he was out of that game against Central Coast. He reckons it was a back complaint, and certainly last weekend he was unsure uh, the extent of that back injury. I gather it was minor in the end for him to be available this week. Look, it was um, he's he's had a bit of an ongoing uh, back injury that's um, it's kind of flared up at, at random times, and he's very unlucky last week. He just stretched for a ball, like went for a header and stretched for a ball. Just you know, I think it was in our match day minus two, so only a couple of days before the game, and he just um, flared up his back a little bit. So, look, it's uh, it's been a bit of an issue, but he's working really really hard with Jazz, our head of medical, and. Um, He'll be he'll be back and available this week. He trained well today, so that's always a positive. I'll tell you what's interesting is that many people pre-season thought, where are the goals going to come from? And I, I mentioned at the top of the chat that you've been scoring goals regularly. As I mentioned, the last four games, you've scored two goals in every game. And for the most part, in this great game of football, that sometimes is enough to win games of football. So you are scoring goals. And, of course, David Williams has been exceptional. Salim Khalifi scored a brace uh, the other day. Are you comfortable? Comfortable in relation to the way the three thirds are playing, the defensive unit, the midfield, and more importantly, uh, the match winners being the forward pack. Look, I definitely think the cohesion in the in the team is clear to see at the moment. In terms of, for the most part, we're putting in some really polished performances, and um, especially at home, getting on the front foot and asking a lot of questions of the opposition, a lot of chances on goal. So that's reflected in the fact that we're scoring, um, you know, a lot a lot more frequently now and creating a lot more clear-cut chances, which is great. Um, it's a great progression from where we were at the start of the season. I definitely feel like, you know, individually the units are, are getting stronger and stronger, you know, with each addition to the team. Um, and now it's a matter of, you know, that whole team and all the units finding, you know, even more cohesion and re- a real deeper understanding of each other's games. And then that can then result in, you know, everyone defending together and everyone attacking together. And that's when you get that real fluidity and... Um, the, the disappointing thing, obviously, and the frustrating thing is that that can take time. And uh, mm. right now we're right in the middle of the season and we're trying to win games. And it's 
yeah, like I say, we've been uh, a little slightly unlucky in the last four weeks, especially because we've probably done enough to win a couple of those games. It's interesting when you look at it, is that the A-League men's table, Central Coast Mariners have dropped six games this season and are sitting in second position. The Perth Glory have dropped just one more game, seven, and sit in ninth position. That's how close it is. So five, five, and seven is uh, after 17 games how the Perth Glory look. And just a, a quick promotion. It's a big day for the A-League women's for the Perth Glory. Uh, of course, they'll be flying the flag in a very real sense as part of what promised to be a memorable pride celebration at Macedonia Park on Sunday when they too take on the Brisbane Roar, 4 o'clock kickoff on Sunday afternoon. So it'll be a special day for the ladies going around in the purple. Yeah, for sure. You know, and, and um, us as a club, we're really behind it and... Um it's good to see those positive changes, you know, in, in just society in general. And uh, it's really looking forward to a positive weekend of football. Good on you, mate. Thanks for joining us. Good luck for the Brisbane Roar on Saturday. And we'll talk to you again here on Sports Day. Yes, Sports Day WA on this Thursday. And just before the break, you heard the chat that I had with Ruben Zadkovic, the Perth Glory coach. We did conduct that earlier this afternoon. Uh, we were in some ways hearing that this was going to come out later this afternoon. But Ruben agreed to conduct the interview, and I also agreed at this stage until it was confirmed a bit later on today that we would not touch on the subject uh, that a few people are talking about. Now, uh, a statement has come out from the club, and as I mentioned, uh, Ruben Zadkovic at this stage is uh, making no comment. There will be seemingly a press conference tomorrow where he will put everything on the line and answer questions from the media about that alleged involvement in that heated physical altercation with one of his players while they're playing five aside. All right, let's just, uh, before we go, have a look at New Farm Australian through and through the weather forecast for Perth tomorrow, Friday, the last day of the week. It will be sunny. Uh, will be fairly windy, however. Easterly winds 25 to 40 knots. A temperature range 13 tonight, up to 30 tomorrow. For Saturday, uh, a warm day, 33 degrees and 35 for Sunday. So a very nice weekend indeed. And for our friends listening on SEN Spirit 621, for tomorrow, 11 to 29, the forecast range, 31 on Saturday and 32 on Sunday. And, of course, New Farm's products are formulated with the highest quality right here in Australia. New Farm Australian through and through. Enjoy your Friday. Enjoy your weekend. I'll be back again on Sports Day. All thanks to Kia and the progressive technology, the blistering performance and quality design on Monday afternoon from 5 o'clock. I look forward to your company then. And thanks to Jimmy Williams and Lee Fletcher for their help this week. Have a great night. See you Monday.